You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. The initial playoff rankings are out. We have a ton to talk about. Good morning. It's Wednesday, November 3rd. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott talking to Chris Hummer right now. Chris Hummer, you are the national college football analyst, writer, reporter for 24-7 Sports. I figure I'll throw you your title there. It's it's Tuesday evening. We just watched the initial playoff rankings come out on ESPN. You seem a little bit upset about Cincinnati, and I want to get to that. I'll, I'll start, though, just... Uh, Georgia 1, Bama 2, Michigan State 3, Oregon 4, Ohio State 5, Cincy 6. That's all I need to do. Everyone else can go Google the rest of it. Why are you so mad about Cincy at 6? I don't even know if mad is the right word. I think it's it's more frustrated. And not just not just for Cincinnati, but of the system as a whole. Because Cincinnati starting at 6 tonight, in my opinion, pretty much signals Cincinnati has no chance of making the playoff. And Cincinnati's chances of making the playoff entering the season were really slim. Even if Cincinnati did everything it needed to do, which meant beating Notre Dame convincingly, it meant beating Indiana on the road convincingly, it meant going 13-0 and and winning the American convincingly, it still was a long shot to make the playoff because of the way the system set up. But I thought, given the chaos we've seen in college football, I thought, given the way Cincinnati started the season by beating Notre Dame and Indiana convincingly, by pretty much running through its schedule, that Cincinnati would warrant a place within the top four. And instead, what we have is Oregon at number four, an Oregon team that I think has looked supremely unconvincing all year to the point where Oregon's quarterback, Anthony Brown, is like criticizing his own play and comparing it to um, like a number two in the restroom at times. And right, so that's the that, worst way to describe that. <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know how to say it. Can I curse in this podcast, Trey? No, you can't. No, we know what okay. he's saying. That's just a horror. That's that's heinous. Yeah. So your your problem here is that you're like, if all the years for a group of five team to make the playoff or to be seriously in the mix, this is the year. And even though number six is the highest of G5 team has ever debuted in the playoff rankings, it's very clear. The riding is on the wall. It's not happening. Chris, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I get really worked up about rankings and playoff stuff. And let me just play devil's advocate though for you real quick. The win you keep mentioning is Cincinnati's second best win. It's number two win, if you would. Uh, Indiana. Indiana's two and six. For Cincinnati, that was like some big game. For everybody else playing Indiana, including Michigan State, which you know only beat them by five, that's just, that's just a dud game. That's just a sleepy trap game. Last year, Indiana was good. This year, they're not. I, th- I think that, that, that speaks to Cincinnati's schedule, that Michigan State's schedule is littered with a whole bunch of Indianas. And for Cincinnati, it's their second biggest game. Yeah, the, I, the big, I, the, I, I don't disagree the, with that point, but I, I would push back and say we're only eight games into the season, right? So like Indiana, at the end of the year, when you have a 13-game sample size to look at, like I understand why people – say the group of five teams do not do enough in the regular season because they do not face a week-to-week schedule that a Michigan State would or even potentially an Oregon would in the Pac-12. 
We're eight games into the season. I think Cincinnati has a signature win of the season. They are unbeaten. Mm. And Oregon has a really embarrassing loss, frankly, to Stanford on its slate. Plus some really poor performances in games against Arizona, Cal, and a couple other instances. Like, Oregon has not looked convincing. And to say a unbeaten Cincinnati that's done everything it can to this point, including win one of the biggest games of the year, should be ranked behind Oregon, a team with one loss to Stanford and a pretty unconvincing uh, kind of schedule so far themselves. Like, I just, I don't know what that says about college football in the system. I mean, we all know the system, but I, it is, I think it's disappointing to see. Like, this okay. just means Cincinnati's totally out of the picture. And I don't think that's deserved, especially eight weeks in when that schedule argument, in my opinion, doesn't hold enough water, given what we've seen from Cincinnati so far, given who they've played. Yeah, it's good for them that Notre Dame's 10th. I don't, I don't know if Notre Dame's all that good. I'm not taking it. Taking heat on Notre Dame, I'm just saying. Uh, and it, well, it sucks is, is for Cincinnati. Hold on, right hold on. It, it, it sucks for Cincinnati that Houston and SMU aren't ranked in the playoff either. That's that's a tough blow because they get SMU in the regular season. They probably get Houston in the in the conference title. That's tough. Yeah, absolutely. And SMU and Houston not being there is a huge blow. Cincinnati's the rest of their schedule is not particularly difficult compared to the rest of the teams and the power five that they're competing with for a potential spot. Even Shocking. Wake Forest. Shocking. I know, I know, but even Wake Forest has opportunities to jump. Cincinnati, unless SMU and Houston, the ACC championship game finds a way to get ranked, honestly has a much lower ceiling than the rest of them. So they needed to start higher and to see Cincinnati at six is pretty much an elimination for them right now, barring just like unprecedented chaos. Yeah, I think uh, I think Chewy's over there agreeing with you that uh, you guys are Cincinnati, you guys are Bearcats fans. Look, we'll see what happens. I, I think it's tough for them. Do, do, where do you want to go? Do you want to you want to go to Bama at two, or do you want to go to the teams behind Cincinnati that can still jump it? I want to go to Bama we too. Okay, we can't spend as we can't spend that much time on all the other topics, but Cincinnati I think is the big one. Um, so Bama's two, despite having a loss over, you know. You and I both thought it'd be Michigan State at two because Michigan State's undefeated. Michigan State, you, you talk about signature wins. Uh, Michigan State just beat Michigan, went to Miami, and won on the road. But uh, Bama, the eye test probably says they're the second best team in college football. They stomped Ole Miss, which is clearly a good team. Uh, do you like this or do you do you dislike this? And what does it mean? Does it even matter given that Alabama still has to play Georgia? Well, I don't. I don't mind it. I understand that you could argue Bama is not the most deserving number two team. And I, I totally get that. I personally, and I think you probably agree with this, think Alabama is one of the two best teams in the country. It's it's fine for me to see them there. I think the important thing to note about Alabama at two, though, is Gary Barta, um, the selection committee head, tonight said there was a lot of consensus for Alabama to be at number two among the 13 committee members. So that means there's pretty clear separation and between Georgia, Alabama, and everyone else for a one-loss Alabama to be a consensus number two ahead of Michigan State. I think that kind of shows you where Alabama is in the pecking order. And I, I'm not ready to say a two-loss Alabama is going to get eliminated from playoff consideration. Like It's unlikely, but if Alabama plays Georgia close, given where we see Alabama ranked right now, I think there's a chance Alabama can sneak in as a two-loss team based on the way the committee is viewing Alabama at this point in the year. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Because... You still got a Big Ten. I guess this also goes to the, the argument of what a Wake Forest or Cincinnati is rooting for. And a lot of this stuff will, will sort itself out. And if we're really not believers in Oregon, I don't think I am either. Then eventually, logic would say they lose. And you know, they've got a trip to Washington this week. They're going to play a pretty good Washington State team. They're not going to be favored to, to beat Oregon. Or sorry, to beat Utah at Utah. They got Oregon State. Then they're going to have to play. You know, maybe Utah again in the Pac-12 South or in the Pac-12 Championship game. 
So, like, who are our spots for? Like, we want Georgia, the Big Ten, so that's two. Oklahoma, if Oklahoma runs the table, or even likely if Oklahoma has one loss. I know that's probably a talking point tonight. Oklahoma yeah, let's, at eight, but... Let's, hold on, let's let's dig into that one, too. So, Kirk uh, Herb Street, I, I got this one. So, Kirk Herb Street, you're eager on me tonight. <laughs> Give me a, give me a, give me some space. So Kirk Herbstreet had a good quote, talked about the Sooners. This team looks bored. They better light a fuse quickly or they're going to get left behind. My counter to that would be Oklahoma still has games against the number 11 and the number 12 teams left on the schedule and then could play another one of those teams again in Arlington. So I think there's plenty of ammo for Oklahoma and knowing what we know about Oklahoma, you and I both would assume that they will get up for that game more than they would get up for a game at Kansas. I think they're going to be okay. I think they're going to be fine. I totally agree. They have the three best teams in the Big 12 ahead of them, and then they'll play one of them again. Wake Forest is not going to jump Oklahoma if Oklahoma runs the table. The Big Ten is going to kind of eat itself alive. We have three Big Ten East teams in the top seven. That's going to take care of itself. And an unbeaten Oklahoma is not going to rank behind an unbeaten Cincinnati, as we've seen kind of historically through the college football playoff. So if Oklahoma takes care of his business, they're in. I think they're totally fine, even with this number eight ranking. I have a hypothetical. If Notre Dame had beat Cincinnati, would Notre Dame, and if Notre Dame runs the table, despite the fact that they haven't looked impressive, would they be a lock to make it? I think so. I think anytime there's an unbeaten Notre Dame in the sports team system, that unbeaten Notre Dame team is going to get in. The Notre Dame schedule, while people often like to criticize it because they play traditional rivals every year and some of them are down, the reality is they play, I think, 10 or 11 Power 5 teams every year. And that is one of the most difficult slates in college football. And if they run that table and they beat Cincinnati, a team that many considered to be a preseason top 10, preseason top 15 team, I think Notre Dame would reach the playoff, even with a reasonably weak schedule and a reasonably unimpressive kind of results-oriented approach. And we've, we've seen teams like Notre Dame get the playoff before. Michigan State, I think in 2015, wasn't, ex- uh-huh. yeah, wasn't exactly the best team we've ever seen, but they beat Ohio State. They beat Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game. They got into the playoff. We saw, that, we saw how that works out when they play Alabama, but that's not really the consideration for getting in the playoff. I think Notre Dame would for sure be in. You want to do a little bit on, on the back half of the rankings here? UTSA wasn't ranked. They're 16th in the AP Top 25. I know that upset you some because, <laughs> I mean, look, Wisconsin? Wisconsin, Wisconsin over Penn State is kind of crazy, too, when you think about Michigan, it. Mississippi State at 17? I like Minnesota, but they lost to Bowling Green in their 20th? Yeah, I, Some weird I totally stuff. agree. Uh, I you, think what, what you slacked me, you were like the Big Ten West. You were shocked at how highly regarded it was. Yeah, we've got we've got three teams from the Big Ten West in the top 25, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota. Minnesota lost to Bowling Green, as you said. Iowa can't three. move the football. And Wisconsin has thrown three touchdowns this year compared to nine interceptions. Like Those teams have not impressed, and they are all in the top 25. And we're seeing it with the SEC West, too. Mississippi State being ranked, which I think largely comes from that win over A&M. Um, is a product of how high the committee is on the SEC West. And we're seeing kind of, I think what we're seeing is two strong divisions or at least two divisions that are considered strong and those biases seeping into the actual rankings. Yeah. Another big one while we're moving down through the rankings is Fresno State at 23. That's big for Oregon at four. So that Fresno State win over San Diego State this past weekend might loom large for the Ducks. I have, I I want to do a little on the ACC and then I'll get you out of here. So Wake Forest still has a game against number 19 NC State. That's in a few weeks. 
They're going to North Carolina this weekend. They're going to go to Clemson and to Boston College. I think there's an argument to be made, even though Clemson's not very good. If they turn things around, Clemson could be ranked by the end of the year. And then Wake Forest would play Pittsburgh, which is currently 25th in the conference championship game. If Wake Forest runs the table, how are they possibly left out of the playoff? I think Wake Forest is left out of the playoff if Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship game. And you have an unbeaten Oklahoma and then a one loss or unbeaten Big Ten champion, be it Ohio State or Michigan State, uh, undefeated. I still think with that schedule, Wake Forest gets left out. Um, and Oregon. We're, too. We're, we're so, assuming, so, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah, wow. we're, assuming, we're assuming NC State stays ranked. We're assuming Pitt stays ranked. And I think both of those rankings are rather precarious um, moving forward. I think both teams are good. I just. I don't know if they're both locked down top 25 teams. I think there's a chance if Clemson keeps finding a way to win, Clemson sneaks into the back half of the top 25 eventually, and that game's still in front of Wake Forest. But I still think Wake is pretty low in the pecking order when it comes to the Power 5 teams getting into the playoff, given what's in front of them, what they've played, and the other teams kind of in the mix. You know, and speaking of assumed, I mean, I don't think they're going to run the table anyway. So, yeah, I mean, you you said it, Chris. Like, everyone's going to be rooting for Georgia. Everyone in Big Ten country, Pac-12 country, ACC country, Big 12 country, can be rooting for Georgia to beat Bama because we're gonna have we're gonna have two P5 conferences left at home if we get if we get Bama and Georgia in. So it'll be interesting. Anything else? The one thing I want to say is I know I think you're kind of of the opinion that these rankings don't matter a ton. Like you're only worried about it the after the season. But I would say historically, these first rankings really do matter. I think almost every team that's ever made the playoff ranked within the top six of the rankings. I think every team that's ever made the playoff was ranked within the top six. The first rankings released, I might have that stat wrong. I looked it up earlier and I'm kind of blanking, but it's either every one of them or pretty close to every one of them. And this also kind of sets the tone for how the committee looks at every team moving forward. Because unless it's like a situation with Ohio State jumping TCU in 2014, like we haven't seen a lot of drastic movement from one team over another if things stay static. And like it's it's a it's a lot to say these rankings are going to stay static because teams will win, teams will have big losses. We're going to see some surprises. But for Cincinnati, like for example, to sit six, it really makes it difficult for them to climb higher over teams that are in front of them with similar opportunities. You could say the same thing about Wake Forest at nine. So these initial rankings set the tone for the rest of the year. And I do think they're pretty significant in terms of how the committee will look at these teams moving forward. Well said, Chris. All right, man. Thanks for joining. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Chris underscore Hummer. The, uh, we got, what, five more of these rankings until decision day. So well, can't wait to... I don't know if we're going to do this every Tuesday. I don't know if I have it in me after five years of, <laughs> of Tuesdays. So, all right. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to our producer, Lance Glenn, working working late here on Tuesday night to, to put this episode together. Probably not the only playoff ranking reaction podcast that you will find in your feeds on Wednesday morning, but appreciate you guys giving us a listen. Enjoy your Wednesday. We'll talk to you on Thursday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. And a little birdie tells me it will also feature the voice of Chris Hummer. Normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.